Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Real quick before the episode, we just wanted to put a trigger warning on this. Scott and I talk a lot about depression and mental health in this episode. And if that is something that you can't deal with or potentially just wouldn't want to deal with at this moment, just skip this episode and hopefully we'll see you next episode. Uh, If not, please stick around. Uh, Scott and I both believe that mental health is something that should be talked about and should be normalized. So if if you're struggling at all and you need help, uh, seek help. There's help out there. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. I am Scott. I'm here with my good friend Brandon. You're hearing my voice first because this is the week where I picked a record for Brandon to listen to and hopefully enjoy. We'll see what he thinks in a little bit. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about Swimming by Mac Miller. Before we get into it, uh, our feelings on the record or how Brandon took it, I'll give you a little bit of background. Although, Brandon, you might have a little bit of feeling knowing Mac Miller, uh, possibly more than I'm going to (laughs) tell. Like I, I obviously I didn't know him personally, just being a local guy. <laughs> right. But anytime Mac Miller was brought to me previously, it was outside of listening to in circles. Just I don't know randomly, I guess, or maybe you told me to listen to it. I'm not sure. But uh, other before that, my only time would be people just bringing like one song, and then and I'll tell you, one song never really did it. Like any any singular Mac Miller song I ever heard. I just, I just was like, okay, it's, it's fine. It just, it wasn't, it's not for me. It's not the kind of music that I'm into mostly, right. but we'll touch on this album and moving forward, but by all means, please continue your history lesson. <laughs> I'll give you the history lesson. Uh, Mac Miller was born January 19th, 1992 and sadly passed away September 7th, 2018 uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Started in the hip hop scene in 2007 at the age of 15. 2010, he signed to Rostrum Records and released his mixtapes, Kids, and Best Day Ever, and then released his first studio album, uh, Blue Slide Park, in 2011. After that, he signed to Warner Brothers uh, because Blue Slide Park blew up. 
and released watching movies with the sound off in 2014 good am in 2015 the divine feminine in 2016 took a year off from releasing records came out with swimming in 2018 and then posthumously came out with circles in 2020 swimming of course uh the ones i just listed off his fifth studio album uh it's the last album mac released while he was still alive came out on august 3rd 2018 just a month before his death released by Warner Brothers, as well as his own imprint, Remember Music. Mac produced it himself, along with Dev Hines, J. Cole, Damn Funk, DJ Dahi, Tay Best, Flying Lotus, and Cardo. The list of engineers and producers on this record is hefty, I'll say. I can imagine that. Uh, based off based off some of the things I heard on this, it sounds like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I'm Okay, right off the bat. Yeah, I I don't think there's a way I can talk about this album without sounding like a hypocrite. I honestly don't. Oh I, wow, okay. And 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 I think it's because it's a very hypocritical album. Mm. Uh, but we'll we'll get into that also after the after the producers. What you got next for me? Okay, I got uh, it's 13 tracks, runs 58 minutes and 39 seconds, so quite a bit longer than the first record we talked about last week. It debuted at number three in the U.S. Billboard 200. Uh, number one was Travis Scott's Astro World. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Number two in the Billboard uh, was actually still Drake's Scorpion, I think was the name of it. Man, that dude is just a, a Hot 100 killer. Yeah. And and I'm going to be honest, I've never heard a record from Drake. Not once. I've went back and listened to a couple that I missed because I did listen to his first album and i listened to a couple of his mixtapes like after he left young money or if he was ever even signed to young money with lil wayne uh, i kind of lost track of him because again i think he was making music that wasn't necessarily appealing to me yeah uh, but i've went back and i, I understand I, I can respect drake i think he's talented as hell well if he's if, if he's got your uh respect i might give him a shot i'm not saying i'm gonna bring you an album by him that's not what i'm saying if, if i did it would probably be like an early one or even an early mixtape that I got into, but I, I don't know if those would even translate to now, okay. but that would be interesting for me to revisit as well. I don't know. Maybe, right? Maybe. Oh, that's going to be a brutal week. <laughs> um, Swing sold 66,000 album equivalent units in its first week and has since become platinum certified. It is Mac's first ever platinum record. Now I looked into it and the, the the term album equivalent units struck me as weird. Like I just didn't like mm-hmm. the phrasing of that. And then I realized it's, you know, digital downloads, streams, streams yeah. and all that shit. They had to add it in because albums, they're not selling enough. They're, yeah. they're, they're not moving enough to even like move the, the, the pin at all. The, and that's so wild to me. Like, I, I hate that. YouTube videos are in there, too? Like, I think YouTube views are in there also? Yeah, video views. Wow. I, I think they count that as part of streaming, which is also weird to me because, like, they have to take it because, obviously, there's not videos for every song on the album. So they have to take up the views on the videos and divide them by a certain amount and a certain amount of time that the video was actually watched in because some people don't watch it from start to finish. And, uh, dude, like it made my head spin. There were three singles from Swimming. 
uh, that were on the Billboard Hot 100. Come Back to Earth came in at 91. Hurt Feelings came in at number 70. And Self Care came in at 33. So the highest ranking uh, single off the album was Self Care. I would not have been able to pull which songs were the singles off this. I think her feelings I would have. I think I would have pulled her feelings, but the other two I would not have. Without chosen. knowing him. Without yeah. without knowing which ones were singles yeah. previously. Yeah, yeah just could, going through. Could it. not tell you. Could not tell you. Yeah, when we get into like our, our feelings from the record, that's a that's a definite point for me. Like none of them really felt like singles to me. But yeah. Uh swimming actually got nominated for best hip hop record at the Grammys in 2019 uh lost out to cardi b's invasion of privacy i have hurt feelings on that honestly um actually a couple people have some hurt feelings on that ariana grande went off about that situation it's the album that came out after her and mac broke up and uh the grammys actually invited mac's parents out to the show and had them there sitting there watching and then their their son losing to Cardi B's invasion of privacy. I'm gonna. I mean, I gotta go on record. I I think that's a good record. I don't know what else was nominated up against the those two records, but oh, I can look. I can look that up real quick. I do think that Cardi B's invasion of privacy is a pretty stellar mainstream hip hop record. I, I do. I do believe that. 2019 was. Oh man, really? Okay, here we go. Uh, so winner, obviously, Cardi B, Invasion of Privacy, Mac Miller, Swimming, Pusha T, Daytona, Travis Scott's Astro World, and Nipsey Hussle's Victory Lap. Uh, wow. That, yeah, that's a that's quite a list. Yeah, Daytona is 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 might be a flawless album, but I understand Daytona is not going to win a Grammy. Right, the same way that Alfredo didn't win the Grammy. Like it's just it that that type of rap music is not at a level yet where it's going to be winning. And no, the the rap music is at that level. The Academy who votes on it is not at that level yet. Agreed. But that's that's crazy. And Nipsey's on that list too. Yeah, that is that's that's uh, that's two. And was Nip Nipsey had already passed when this was nominated, correct? I believe so. Yeah, so that would so that'd be two. Wow, that's wild. Wonder how often. Yeah. Wonder how often that happened. Okay, I, I would think a lot of people in in the rap world don't get recognized until after their yeah it's passing. a bummer. Definitely definite bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so onto the reviews, I I wrote down a few. Uh, so Pitchfork gave Swimming 7.5 out of 10. And Evan Ritlowski, sorry if I murdered that, uh, wrote, On his wounded fifth album, Mac Miller sings deftly about heartbreak and his mental state, capturing his resignation without turning sadness into a performative spectacle. I could, I could get behind that. I hear a lot less um, like sadness from a relationship breakup, and I hear a lot more... Uh, just mental health. This album is yeah. just is. Uh, th- I mean, based off that review, how he says he sings it without making it a spectacle. I believe that because every time this album had a bit of light that would shine through or a time that you think like, oh, this track's going in this direction, it would get swallowed up by just this 
this sadness that is all around every little beat change, every flow change, every single weird sound underneath a beat is enveloping into this just chaos of sadness. Yeah, I yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> it's true. Um, ne- the next one, Rolling Stone gave it a four point five out of five. Uh, Mossy Reeves says Mac Miller sheds his frat rap persona on swimming. The self-described chill dude weathers personal wreckage on the most impactful album of his career. Not being familiar with his frat rap outside of a few tracks here and there. I think this album is an accomplishment. I think this album uh, might be exactly what he wanted to make. And I'm, I'm hoping it is. But at the same time, if if this album came out, and I mean, if you just look at the even just the track list, just hurt feelings, self-care, just what's the use? If this album came out and not every single one of his friends went to him and said, Mac, are, are you OK for real? Then they deserve to be locked up for being accessories to his demise. Yeah, because this album is so clearly just just sadness personified and him going through just depths of depression. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Metacritic gave it a 78 out of 100. The user score was 8.6 out of 10, though. So mathematically, the users liked it more than the critics. You'll find that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll find that probably with every record. The critics don't want to be super stoked on something that maybe everybody hates. And then they got to look back and be like, well, you like this thing. So they always play it safe. Right. And then I have uh, one more review. Anthony Fantano. Okay. (laughs) He gave it a three out of 10. He says on swimming, Mac Miller continues to work outside of his strengths without improving at all upon the obvious weaknesses of his previous album, which would have been the define the divine feminine. I'm not familiar with that album, so I can't, I can't comment on the differences, but, between albums i'm i am glad i thought you were going to come at me with three shining reviews i'm no, glad no. you at least brought you at least brought one negative in even though it's a, uh that guy's gonna be negative on a lot of stuff <laughs> it's just yeah no i agree i can't pinpoint how he rates things i don't know what he likes but like everybody's entitled to their own opinion he, th- he throws me with every review that he does i have no idea <laughs> although it does make me excited when i agree with one like if i see one i'm like yeah i agree with that like i'm like okay cool yeah, there's been a few. Uh, they're they're far between, but there's been a few that I agree with them, and then I get like pretty stoked about. Them. I'm like, yeah, this album. Like I, I mentioned, being a hypocrite talking about this album, mm-hmm. and it's because I really enjoy the parts on this album when Mac is rapping. I'm a very big fan of those moments. Right. But to me, this album is a lot of broken moments apart from each other. Like you'll have Mac, sure. you have Mac rapping. And then he'll go into a funk part, if if that's what I want to call. It. I'm not entirely sure. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, Thundercat was on this okay. record. Uh, he's one of the uh, the listed musicians on the bass. And yeah, yeah, no, he definitely got into a funky space here and there on this record. Was Thundercat also uh, a contributor to to Pimp a Butterfly? Do you know that offhand, or do that you have offhand? That I have no idea. Okay. Uh, let me let me see if I can pull it up real quick because that's gonna. There were certain moments in this, like certain yes, times. He was. The, 
he was. Yeah, that, yes, he that, was. That's why I heard it then. So I was because I had to stop myself for a while of the unfair comparison between Mac Miller and Kendrick Lamar. It's just something that I, I you can't you, I, I should not have been doing. I had to like I had to think about it and be like, stop, because there are moments that really did with the beat breakdowns remind me of to pimp a butterfly. Sure. Now, the difference on this thing is I feel like there's an just a, a sheen of unease across every one of these tracks. Like there is okay. even during a bright spot or a supremely low spot or a time when you're questioning even what you're supposed to be feeling. There's something in the beat that is sounds off. Maybe the beat time is off a little bit. There's a there's mm-hmm. a different sound that's added into the beat or him just uh, hurt feelings. It, it He presents it as kind of a, you know, not a supremely down song, but the way that he keeps switching his flow, you can never really latch onto the track. Sure. So like, even though it has a, a, a sonically, it sounds like you're going to be getting into it. Every time he switches that flow, you're kind of taken aback. And I feel like that's what this whole album is, is every time you start to think, oh, oh no, this is going in a good direction. No, it gets <laughs> swallowed. It gets swallowed up into the depths of the depression that I don't know. Did this sound like this when he was alive? Like, th- th- does it, did it have the same cloud over it? His previous work? No, like this album came out, what, a month before he died or after he died? Yes, it was, it was a month and eight days or something and like that. Did you listen to it? Like when it came out? I don't think I did. I think I latched see Mac Miller wasn't somebody that I had paid attention to that much before his death. Okay. I don't think I'm trying to remember. Cause I'm just wondering if this album would have not sounded as dark and sad without that knowing that he died after it was made. Like if he would have, if he'd still be around now, I don't know if this would feel as dark as it is. I think it would still feel as uneasy as it is, but I don't know if it would feel mm-hmm. as dark as it is. Right. I'm trying to think. I, I don't know if I knew that he passed before I listened to this record, but I definitely listened to it after he had passed. Okay. I listened to it because uh, a guy I was working with at the time kept playing. Like he, he would put his Spotify on, on over the speakers at work. And every once in a while, a, a, a Mac Miller song would, would pop up and I'd be like, okay, I, I kind of get what people are talking about, you know, before. And then I want to say self care came on. And when that song came on through the, the speakers at work, I was like, Oh man, I, <laughs> I feel this. I think self care is one of the most proven examples of how sad this album truly is when he's just consistently saying like there's beauty and oblivion and that's just Mm -hmm. that at that point when you're saying something like that it's it's hard to pull yourself up out of that hole on an album yeah and i i i don't want to say he even tried because i don't think he wanted to pull himself up out of that hole in this album (laughs) i think that's hold that that hole is where he lived and i don't think he knew a way out of that hole right i'd say that I may have I may have overthought every track on this album. I just want to make that clear. I may have no, that's good. I may have created wild scenarios in my head and things that weren't intended to be that way. But music is art, so I'm going to interpret it the way I'm interpreting it. Yes, 100. percent And it's it's I think uh, before he passed, 
maybe there would have been a different kind of feeling, but because we know what happened only a month after this record was released, it definitely gives you that, that just heavy, just that heaviness, that burden on your shoulders that you're like, Oh my God, didn't somebody hear this fucking album before? You know, I mean, I can give you a list of musicians that worked on this record that knew what this record sounded like before he died. You know what I mean? Like, there's a ton of people that worked on this record that had to have known, felt, heard, not even the undertones of this record, because it is just full on display. It's the overtone. There's an overtone of it. It's not an undertone. Yeah, 100%. I just, I can't imagine being like on the knobs and, and the producer as a producer to this. And he comes out of a booth after one of those, I mean, cause you can't go two lines in this without him just sounding like he's done. Like he's at the end of everything. Just having a line that says, yeah, I can't imagine somebody coming out of the booth and you look at him like that was sick, man. Awesome work. Like, it's just, I feel like it would be a very, I feel like the studio sessions would have had to be as uneasy as the album is. And I think that may be the intention. Right. Now, play a little devil's advocate here. This record was being recorded at the same time as Circles. And Circles has a few tracks that are a little more uh, optimistic, I'll say. Um, I know the first single that came out off of circles, I was like, Oh wow, that sounds really pretty. And like, it wasn't completely. Oh no, it was completely depressing. (laughs) I can't remember if it was completely depressing because he was already dead or not, but did he compose in circles also? Like, was he, did he assemble the track list or was that done by his camp after the fact? That was done by one of the producers that worked with him on swimming. So I want to say it was Brian, I think is his name. Also put everything together for circles. Like I was just thinking maybe Mac wouldn't, because if, if you said there are, because I don't remember in swimming at all. If you said there are some, or I don't remember in circles at all. If there are some positive songs on that, would they be tracks that Mac maybe wouldn't even have put on it? Because if this was the direction, it's... I, From what I read about Circles, there had already been talks about that coming out really quickly after swimming. Okay. So Mac did have a hand in what Circles was going to be. Okay. So, you know, take take that as you will. Who knows how much of it Mac had determined would be on that record or the track listing on that record, you know, throwaway records, whatever. But he did have a hand in it before he had passed. It wasn't just a total, it wasn't like a, you know, like a Tupac posthumous record where everybody just wanted to throw whatever throwaway bars he had tucked away onto a record and sell it. This was something that was already planned from the beginning of this recording process for swimming and circles. Was it going to be a double album at first? And then he just put one out and then the other. No, I I think it was more a um, like he did previously in his career where it was, okay, this one's coming out in 2018. This next one's going to come out in 2019 type thing. 
it's just the I feel like with the title and it going together like swimming in circles, I feel like it it it, it was supposed to be presented together. But I don't know. Like I said, I don't remember in circles a lot. Yeah. But if it's even close to as depressing as this, I, I don't know how you could listen to what, 28? It'd be 30, 28, 30 tracks of that. It just, yeah, this it, one's 13. I don't remember what circles is. Okay. Well, let's say 26 if they're both 13. Yeah. It just, I, I can't fathom it. And the, the first time on the first track that I recognized the, undertones of unease and just like not getting comfortable in any certain flow or vibe was on ladders. There's a, like a mechanical buzzing up until the very first, like funkier part kicks in at the beginning of that track. There's like a mechanical buzzing that when I was listening with headphones on, it was, I had to like pause my headphones. Cause I was like, what is this sound? <laughs> and it was on the track. Right. That's how, that's how much it stood out. Gotcha. So from, from that is when I started listening to all these other elements of what's making me uncomfortable at this track. And almost every single one of them, there is some element of it that is in there. And I'm like, that doesn't sound quite right to me. And I, I believe that's intentional. Maybe I'm just used to it now. So I don't pick up on those things. I think that's, that's the thing we're going to have here with this podcast. I'm saying you're going to pick up on new things that I probably haven't picked on just because like when I listen to it, I'm in a vibe. I know the, I know the flow of the record. I know the lyrics of it, you know, and, and vice versa. Like you had with, with Emery's record. Mm -hmm. And I will say you mentioned vibe this album on in the background. Like I, I, I play, I was playing Madden for like two hours to this album the other day, just <laughs> on shuffle in the background and it, it's great. Like if I'm not if I'm not listening to this thing deeply, it has a sheen on it that's like just a fun album. There there's some oh, there's yeah. some fun stuff. There's some fun sounds. It's it's when you start to decipher it and dive into it when this darkness swallows you up. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's kind of it. It's funny to me because the previous album before this the divine feminine is basically a record of love songs. And my opinion of that one versus my opinion of this super depressing one is like night and day. I don't really like divine feminine at all. Do you think I would like divine feminine? It's a possibility. I'd have to go back and re-listen to it. I know I only listened to it a handful of times just because I wasn't feeling it. Not to say that I don't have love in my life. <laughs> I, I do 100%. Um, and I appreciate love songs. But those ones just didn't hit me as, as hard as swimming did. I don't think you like you. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm stepping out of line, but like sad music is a lot of your bread and butter. Like you're yeah, a no, that's big me. fan of you're a big fan of sad. Yeah, I'm a big fan of feelings. But I think this album showed me that I don't really like I knew this, but this album proved it. I don't really like get down on sad music. Like I, I understand what you're saying about how like you love the sad because I mean, Acacia Strain is one of my favorite bands. They're yeah. one of the angriest bands ever. Right. And I, I can get down on that. And then that anger helps me translate other emotions and feelings. And I think that that's what sad music does for you. And probably a lot of people who love this album and Mac Miller in general. But I just don't like get down on sad music like that. It just I, I, like I understand and I respect what it's happening. But to me, it just doesn't. I can't line that up. I can't like get rid of my sad emotions listening to sad songs. 
I don't think it's a getting rid of sad emotions by listening to sad songs. That's not it for me. Sometimes I just have to like wallow in it. Like I have to put myself in, like if I'm, if I'm in a depressed mood or I'm in a sad mood, yeah, I throw on some of the most depressing, sad stuff I can find just to be in that place and recognize that I'm in that place and then eventually work myself out of that place. I, it's kind of like a coping mechanism for me, I guess, that I've developed over my life. And I think I think most music is used like that. When there's any emotion behind music, it can be used to cope. And any music can be used to cope. It could be Beethoven's Fifth. I don't care. Like oh, for sure. It can be used to cope. This album itself, I think, is less coping and more recognizing... And this is why it's, and here we go again. Like I'm, I'm in a circle. No, go ahead. I think that somebody listening to this that has those feelings of depression, that has that sadness is recognizing that it's, it, it also exists in other people. But now I think that's the problem with Mac is he's writing this album and he's so lonely. He can't see that other people are in the same thing as he is. Like he, even though he's putting this out for people to use in that way, he can't use it for himself. This is just how he feels and he can't, he can't do anything about it. He feels helpless. Sure. I, and I can, I can understand that. Like, I think people won't know this, but I've written records and I've recorded records, just home records. Nothing ever came out. It's just stuff I did in my free time uh, for me and my friends to listen to. But when you're in that kind of mood as an artist, you don't necessarily want the recognition or the feedback on songs or projects that you're working on. So there were a ton of songs that I worked on, that I wrote, that I recorded, mastered, worked on for months, and then gave to my friends. And they never said anything about it, but they're, some of them are brutal. Uh, I know there was one that I wrote uh, that was about jumping off a building. You know, as somebody who doesn't suffer from depression, like I do not have depression. Sure. I, I feel like this album is like the cookie cutter epitome of what the doctors ask you what depression is. Like if you go to the doctor and they're trying to walk, they give you that paper and they're trying to find out because they have to everywhere now. <laughs> the question here. I feel like this album grabbed my hand and walked me through depression. Like I, it, it just to me, every corner of this thing is depression like you're depressed and then oh there's a little bit of light no there isn't oh is what's happening here i feel a little uncomfortable oh it can't be anything good so we're gonna go negative like everything about this thing was just so consuming with negative feelings Mm -hmm. and me not getting down on that was kind of it made me off kilter as well i had a weird week i had a weird week listening to this i get it i get no i can definitely get that which is kind of it's funny because I didn't intend that to be, I didn't intend that to be the situation with this record. I didn't want to walk you through depression or anything like that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to compare me listening to a music album to somebody's mental illness. I just want to make that very clear. Oh, sure, no, no, no. I, it just, it's just a you know an off the hand kind of opinion on what I was hearing. Right. I get. I guess I'm. I'm trying to give you my my opinion on it as as 
not my opinion on the record, but my opinion on, I guess someone who, from someone who does suffer from depression, giving something to someone who doesn't suffer from depression, something that has this much feeling in it. Um, that, and, and not, okay. Like depressive feelings. Like I, we're saying that word a lot. So I guess being that person giving you this record to listen to, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Like to me, yes, it is a depressing record, but it helps. I guess it helps me. Like I said earlier, like when I'm in a bad place, when, when I'm in a, a depressive mood, what I do is listen to music that gives me that feeling even more so I can work my way out of it. So for me, this isn't a record that makes me feel bad at all. It, it It's a stepping stone for me to feel better, I guess. And I don't know how many people have that same feeling as I do on this. Uh, not, not necessarily this record in particular, but on, on, you know, dealing with depression. Um, I don't know how many people like feel like they have to dive further into it before they start feeling better. Uh, I definitely do not recommend it as a coping mechanism. It's not a fun thing. It's not a great journey, but for some people, you know, it, it works for myself. It works. So getting into this, like, it, it's for me, I know we're going to get into it later and it's our last question. Usually it's throne owner grown, but for me, this record is a throne record because it helps me like that. Like I know when I'm have, Oh shit, I'm about to cry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, no reason to apologize. Yeah. Um, so when I have times like I have this week, this record, I throw it on and it'll help me. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I can't speak for anybody other than me, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know if anybody else feels that way. But for me, it works. Going back to my point about thinking this album's uh, like a hypocritical album, um, I don't say that in a negative though, because I think maybe this album is exactly what Mac was. Because when you're just listening to it and just catching a vibe off of it, it's very like I said, it's very palatable. It's a, it's an enjoyable record, but I think that's the masking of the depression. So like, maybe that's what Mac was, is he was that fun loving, right. this is fun guy, but underneath it was all of this darkness and depression. I guess for me, instead of seeing it as uh, the, like the, the, the up-tempo times or the quote unquote happier times on this record, I don't see as, um, a masking, but more of like a duality. Okay. Uh, for people that that suffer from depression or have depression, or like you know maybe not even that, just yeah, have any kind of mental health. There's there's always those those times where yeah, you're going to be happy. Like everybody has happiness in their life. I, I imagine at, at least to you know to some certain extent, you know. But I feel like. Uh, a key of depression is that thought or that even knowing that that happiness isn't going to last. And even though you're within the happiness, there's that part of you. that's like, well, this isn't going to last. So why even enjoy this to the full extent now? 
Sure. Uh, but you can look at it the other way and say, you know, I have these depressing feelings, but there's always those happy times that I live for. So yeah, it, it, I guess it depends on how you look at it. And I, I would never say I'm an optimistic person uh, by any means. I'm not. But, I mean, you got to know that there's happiness in life. Like, I have these terrible times where, yeah, I'm super depressed and I don't want to do anything. But I know I have my wife in my life. I have my son in my life. I have all of my family. I have great friends that do bring that happiness, even though I have these times where everything just feels so much like so heavy, so dark, but there's these shining beacons of, Oh God, this is getting deep. Uh, there's these shining beacons of, of happiness and hope and love and laughter and, life is actually good, you know, but yeah, there's always those downtimes too. It depends on how you look at it. Like it's all about perspective. I agree. It's all about, all about perspective is the glass half empty or half full. You know what I mean? That's life comes down to that. Let me, let me go bookend test. Let me talk about my bookend test here. I thought about this (laughs) while I listened to this. Uh, And I may have overthought this farther than I ever needed to, but (laughs) Uh, opening track, come back to earth, correct? Yes. Closing track, so it goes. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, just right off the bat, the simple A, B, is there a journey? I think so. But I also think that every track itself could be a bookend test in and of itself. Like, it's it's such a different feeling it within the own tracks. Like, that's why I think this album is so hypocritical on itself is because in the same track, you'll have that duality that you mentioned mm-hmm. of the totally total despair and then br- like sunlight shining through. Yeah. But I think uh, it passes the book and test, by the way, the, the first track is almost, almost cautiously optimistic. Like it feels like something good is coming out of here. Right. And then it's just a bait and switch. Cause then you're right into it. Like it's just, (laughs) you're automatically into it. Yeah. You go, you go from that to hurt feelings and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) This is where we're at. I think the final track should have been titled come back to earth because I think it's, it has much more of a more alien vibe. It has, it has some sounds in it that kind of remind me of UFOs. I think it would make more sense. The final track being come back to earth. Okay. That being said, I don't think so it goes would be a you can't just swap the titles. I don't think that would be a good title for the first track. Right. But I think I think so it goes is just a almost a commentary, his like his own comment on the album's process. Like he started out cautiously optimistic, wanted things to be good. And by the end, it's almost a comment like, Well, I, I failed, so it goes. Yeah, I was thinking about the bookend test um, on this one, and I actually did it myself. So I listened to the first track and then went into this, the last one. And for me, it was more of a thinking about the journey between the two. And it's hard to, if you just listen to those two tracks, I can't say musically that there was much of a journey because they're really close. They both have that like real, real, oh man, kind of light. Orchestral, it's like atmospheric, atmospheric. yeah, vibe. Um, so when you just look at 
when you just look at musically, I would say that the bookend test for for this record, maybe maybe not so much. Like they they don't feel like there was much of a journey musically between the two. I don't think. I feel completely different vibes on them. Like the first one to me sounds like okay, the, like you're you're out in the morning and the sun is shining and the the possibilities for the day are whatever you want them to be, and then the last track, it's nighttime. Okay. And the day's over and you didn't really complete anything, but your whole journey was internal the entire time. Okay, I get you. It's funny because we're talking about this and I think we've both said it a few times already in this podcast, but like we both like it's crazy how music can be taken differently depending on your perspective. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think that's what I love about music uh, and art. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. And yeah, I guess depending on how you're looking at the bookend test, it could go either way. But I feel like the journey of this record can't be shown just by two those two songs. I agree. Because there is so much, like you said, there's so many highs and lows a lot, a lot of lows in this record, but even, even musically, there's so many different changes and, you know, beautiful orchestral passages, fantastic, um, live instrumentals. Like there, there's horns in this record that I absolutely love, but then you have a song like don't know that is the most basic beat just you know, like a snare beat and him just riding any flow that he came up with. But then in that song too, there's these great three note guitar parts that just, I absolutely love. It's, you don't really pick up on it necessarily when you listen to it, maybe unless you're, you know, deep diving like we do sometimes, but that song for me, I love the bare minimum of that song and then come in with just a few notes of guitar in there. And then Mac just on his lyrics, just going. I love that song is, is to one of your top three tracks. I have, I have a different top three. Okay. Situation going on with this record. Okay. So I'm going to ask you first. Well, your top three, um, I have to say I had a very hard time a very hard time picking out favorite tracks because sure. I don't think like you said about the bookend test, I don't think this album, you can't get the feel of it off of one track. You can't get the entire emotional journey off of three tracks. Like it's as a whole, the whole is greater than its parts. That's, that's what it is. Right. Yes. Yep. Uh, I think I got hurt feelings at number one, probably because it's, it was, it was more of a rapping track. Like there's more rap okay. on it than, yeah. than anything else. And then yep. Con conversations part one for probably the same reason. Like it's there's a mu sure. it's much more of a rapping vibe to it as opposed to the the funk and whatever he was moving into it. And I I couldn't pick a third. I I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I no. I had ladders down, but then once I listened to ladders a bunch, I realized that that's when I noticed the that weird sound. And then I couldn't I couldn't add it. I was like, no, it's too it's too much for me. Sure. Right. So my situation with the top three, I can't give you a top three. I can give you my favorite song off the record, and I can give you my least favorite song off the record. 
Can I guess your least favorite? Go for it. Is it jet fuel? Yes, sir. 100%. I did not like even 10% of that intro with the, the reggae sample. Yeah, whatever that vibe was at the beginning. Yeah, I didn't like it. And I think the song has some really catchy parts. Like that hook is great. Yeah. But I, but I, 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 that intro alone puts me in such a, and I think that has to do with the uncomfort. Like that reggae at the beginning made you put you on your heels for what was coming next. You didn't know. Right. And yeah, no, I, that's my least favorite song off this record. I, and I don't know if it's because of that, even in that, even in that song, uh, he had some good lines. I can't pick them out off the top of my head right now. Um, oh, never run out of jet fuel. I love, I love never, I never run out. Like I love that idea. And it, yeah. it, but again, a lot of the album that I loved were the positive parts because I don't really, right. I don't get down on the sad music like that. So like whenever that happens, I'll hear like a, a light part and then he'll come in with something like, let, and I'm just making this up for the sake of it, but like say, I never run out of jet fuel, but my jets always broke. Like, <laughs> right. You just turned, you just turned me down. Like I, I was just trying yeah. to try to catch your vibe and then you shut it down. Yeah, no, I get that. But yeah, so Jeff, you definitely my least favorite song. Um, but my favorite song off this one is 2009. Okay. Uh, that one has that beautiful orchestral intro on it. And, but it has him like kind of mumbling at the beginning mm-hmm. that, mm, mm. I love that. Does that make you think of the year 2009 and where you were at that time? I don't think so. Okay. Cause I, 2009, um, was the year my son was born. Okay. So I was in a different, I was in a yeah. different kind of space. 100%. There was nothing. I couldn't imagine you walking into like the, 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 the birthing room. That's what I came up with. Delivery room is what I was like. You walking into the delivery room, just listening to a Mac Miller album. Specifically, no, sir. The darkest one. This walking in. Yeah, hey, right. What's up, guys? <laughs> no, I was definitely on a on a different kind of vibe in 2009. I had uh, life was super duper good. Like there, there's nothing better than you know having a kid. It was it was crazy. It was definitely crazy. It was crazy, crazy. I was sleep deprived like nobody's business, running on three hours of sleep every night. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world at all. Um, but yeah, no, 2009, just, uh, I love the, the music in that song. Um, just, I, I, I really love the vibe of that track. I don't know. I can't pick any lyrics out for you off the top of my head that I think like made the, made the song or made the record. But I know that when I, when I roll through the record as a whole, when 2009 comes on, I'm just like, God, this is such a damn good song. And that's, that's right before the closer, right? Like that's the song right before the closer. Yeah. I believe that's uh yeah, that's, that's track 12 yeah, because the closer is also a little long, but it's the closer. So I, I, I right, it. yeah, the closer again, this is second, second album in a row where the, the final track is just meandering along until we're done. It's, it's a, Interesting that both of those albums, two way different albums, two oh, entirely yeah. completely different albums, have that same function of that final track where it just kind of meanders and then ends. Right. Yeah. Would you say the first time you listen to this album that you like, quote, got it? That question I always ask, how many listens to get it? You know what? I probably can't say. Okay. I, 
You know what? I probably did. I have to think back, you know, to 2018. Um, because I, like I said, I think I, I listened to it just based off of self care, hearing that in the shop while I was, while I was working. Um, and, and that song being what made me want to delve deeper into Mac Miller's, you know, music at all. So I think when I heard it, I probably did get it at least the first couple times I listened to it. I mean, yeah, I, I think I didn't like jet fuel from the beginning, but I think I probably got the record as a whole within the first couple times of listening to it. Okay. Just cause I would have felt it probably the same way I do now. One of the wildest parts. And again, this album being hypocritical jet fuel, when you're in it, when you're delving, like we are least favorite track. If you're just vibing on a track, Jet Fuel playing in the background is maybe one of the top vibes on this entire album. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think my my listens to get it, I, I have in my notes, maybe one. Okay. And I say I say maybe because maybe I just didn't get it. Like maybe maybe I need to have depression to fully get what's <laughs> right. being what's being said to me and being told about you know this person's mental struggles. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, it's it's wild that uh, we're having this deep conversation based on this record. I mean, this <laughs> like is how deep this it. conversation has gone. Yeah, no, no, I, I truly appreciate it. I, it's great. I think um, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. I think mental health needs to be. and And I think it is currently in the public eye being pushed a lot more. Um, I think it's super wild that it's our second episode and we're talking about it <laughs> on a music podcast. <laughs> if, if somebody like starts off at one and then goes straight to two, it's a, it's going to be a different vibe. Our bookend test on the first two episodes of our show. <laughs> Not great. I mean, there's, I guess there's a journey, so it might be good. Actually, there's definitely a journey for sure. Well, let me just throw out like two quick observations real quick. Just the, the odd beat timings and the odd sounds like within the beats are what made it uneasy for me. I think I already touched on that. Sure. Yeah. And then, Oh, what did you think about like um, the tracks like ending and then the actual runtime of the track, not ending, like having like an extra 16 at the end of um, what was that? Was it perfecto? I think perfecto has like, it's like he, uh, he wrote the song finished it. And then was like, Oh wait, you know what? I, I have another 16 in my head. Let's just get another beat at the end of this and then throw it on the end of the track. And here's going to be another one of those situations where it's an unfair comparison, but I'm not really comparing them. Sure. I I'm very familiar with that kind of stuff because West side gun does that all the time. Sure. Like okay. there's all, there's a whole song and then the beat changes after four minutes and then there's another four minute song almost. It's like, it just, it's, it's strange. But right. I, I'm so used to it now that I don't even think it made me even question it. I think it just happened. Okay. And it it although it did take me a while, like I had to get I had to be every time the song would change, I had to look at the phone to see what song it was because with those pauses and those musical changes, yeah. I needed to make sure I was like, oh hold on, did this change? No, we're good. Same song. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, like how you would take that. And then one last thing, and this might just be because I've been listening to uh, Atmosphere's discography. 
Okay. But yeah. There's there's times in this when Mac is rapping that he and again this is an unfair unfair comparison. Another one for Mac Miller. <laughs> he sounded kind of like a chopped and screwed slug. I don't know if you're familiar with Atmosphere. If you've listened listened to Atmosphere, a little bit here and there. Uh, I, I'm on like their fourth album now, listening to their discography, and I maybe because I listen to them back to back, like I because I would just throw this the the swimming on at any time when I had some empty spots. Just you know, sure. But there are times where I was like, this sounds like slug if it like came out of Memphis and then they chopped it, slowed it down and like screwed it up because it's <laughs> it was it was maybe it's the tone. I don't know. It's also unfair just, you know, just because they're both white. But that's not really that <laughs> wasn't my intention. Right. Either. That's not that. Yeah. But yeah. Ask me the penultimate question. OK. Yeah. Uh, thrown on or grown. What do you think? I was going to say, I think you would say grown. Um, I have already ordered this record. Have you really? I have. I and it, I love you. I didn't like look for it. I just I have like things that send me notifications on my phone when there's deals or somebody selling something. And it was like the blue pressing, the reissue that I I just it, it was a, a fine deal was, and I just snagged it. One of the main reasons is cuz I was listening to this playing Madden like in the evening, Tara was off work and before I shut it off, she's like, "What are we listening to?" And I said, "That's Mac Miller." She goes, "Is it really?" She goes, "Why oh, am wow. I not, she's like, "Why am I not listening to this?" Right. And I think, and that's funny because I think it's because his persona before this, like, I forget who reviewed it that said something about his frat rap, whatever. But we also haven't, like, she knows who Mac Miller is because we're te- quote unquote local to Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. But I, I might, it might also have appealed to her because she all, she suffers from depression. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah. So it's one of those. How, how deep were you in the record when she was listening? Um, just we, out of curiosity, uh, it was on shuffle, so I wasn't okay. like listening straight through. And we probably probably six or seven songs. All right, wow. But I even had to ask her. I had to say, "Did you like catch?" I wanted to make sure she wasn't just on because at that point we were listening two different ways. Because I was playing a video game. Yeah, because you were in the background listening. I was yeah. just vibing on yeah. it, and I was like, "Did you catch like the darkness?" And she's like, "Oh yeah." She's like, "I was listening." And at one point, I was I started like listening, and it, then it just got real dark. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's, that's the album. That's just what it is. Right. Yeah. But initially I had, I had own and then parenthetically for a very specific point in my life that I kind of don't know if I ever will hit. Like, I hope I don't like, I don't want to know. Yeah. Don't want to be at a point where this thing is going to pull me out, but I will, I, I could see myself throwing it on a vibing for it. And if it's a day I'm spinning something for Tara, I'll throw it on because she, she enjoyed it. Right. But I knew you would be stoked when I told you I bought it. <laughs> I am. I that uh especially after this conversation, uh I'm super glad that it at least has a place. I I do want to say I think that this album is and I don't want to overuse this word, but I use it a lot as like hyperbole. I think this is a masterpiece of what he wanted. I I think that this album could be the exact album he wanted to make. And for that alone, I respect it greatly and I appreciate it. Even though it's yeah. not necessarily my bag, I can give it the respect and appreciation that I think it deserves. That's awesome. I'm glad it wasn't a groan. I'm super glad <laughs> I had, a, I had a fear. I've also said that I'm going to be very positive. So that's true. If, you have, if, if you give me something that I, that you even think I will hate, I guarantee you I find something in there positive because the first listen to this, I got to be honest, I wasn't feeling it. 
Like I was just, I believe it. I was just listening to it. I was like, man. And then it took, I had to start questioning myself. Why am I not feeling it? What parts am I not feeling? And that's when I started breaking down the songs and how I felt about each one and how they made me feel. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that it, uh, at least has the own, like it's actually going to be owned by you. It is. It will be on the show. Fantastic. Uh, okay. Are you going to go and listen to circles? Again, I guess the, I guess I'm going to answer that with a question. Are you going to have me listen to in circles? No, sir. Show? I'm I'm going I, I'm going to try and uh, switch it up every week as far as artists go for you. Okay. Uh, just because I have so much uh, in my musical history that I want to share. OK, that I, I won't I, unless. No, I'm not going to make you I, I'm not going to have circles as part of this show. I can't see myself like today, tomorrow, listening to in circles just because I, it, it didn't really do anything for me. But again, this album didn't the first listen to either. So there could be something in there that I could latch on to. Right. But if I ever get into that mindset, like maybe I should listen to Mac Miller. I would probably just listen to this album again. Okay. Rather gotcha. than in circles, because I'd be familiar. I could just catch on the vibe rather than, because I probably wouldn't dive into that as in depth as I did this if it wasn't for the show. Right. Well, maybe I will bring it up eventually. Now, us talking about the differences between this and the Divine Feminine, would that make you want to listen to the Divine Feminine at all? I, I do think there's a there's more of a chance of me listening to Divine Feminine than In Circles again. Okay. I was just curious. Uh, and then, do you have anything else to add about this album? No, sir. I'm, it's it's a throne for me, but I think I said that earlier. Yes, yes, you did. You made sure that you that you you came out of the gates holding that throne. <laughs> I think I did. Uh, I guess I got to tease the next album. Mine mine are going to be pretty predictable for at least the next like three shows or so that we do. Okay. Because I think I'm, I'm going to continue down the Emery discography just just because right. it's a band that you know you didn't hear of and that that first album was was something at least. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear your opinions on the way that they changed and specifically your opinions on their third record. But the second record I think is a transition record to get there. So, okay. So it will be Emery's. The question will be the, the, the record. Sweet. I look forward to that. Um, because I really like the first one. I'm, I'm excited. I'm stoked about that. Yeah. Um, well, thank, thank you, everybody. And oh, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. No, thank you. I yeah. want to tell you, thank you for bringing this album to me. Thank you for, um, you know, sharing yourself on this podcast today. I know it's not always easy to talk about these things, but I appreciate you. I appreciate this podcast and thank you. Oh, yeah. No, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you at least somewhat enjoyed this record. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- thank you uh, for you know, going on this journey with me. Uh, I love you. I love you too. And uh, are you listening? Are you listening? I appreciate love songs. Have you ever tried buttering both sides of the toast? It's fantastic. <laughs>